Please sit comfortably. Today's talk is called Being with Emotions and um, I've deliberately chosen my words, being with emotions. Um, some forms of fundamentalist Buddhism look down on emotions as being a kind of weakness to get rid of. <coughs> um, in psychotherapy, um, people would perhaps refer to <coughs> relating to emotions as working through emotions or solving emotional problems. I'm not talking about all of those other forms. I'm looking at it particularly from a, a Zen perspective or my understanding of Zen and how to be with emotions. And two wonderful um, quotes, um, two metaphors from our, from our Zen literature are guiding lights here in terms of how we be with emotions. One is a statement by, um, I think, a 16th century Zen teacher who my teacher Joko was very, very fond of quoting quite frequently. He referred to the sense of ego consciousness or self as the frozen block of emotion thought. A great metaphor. And because it, it, it sort of it gives us that sense of something rigidifying and becoming fixed. The frozen block of emotion thought. And that the point of practice was to dissolve that frozen block. The other great metaphor we have is from um, Hakuin's Song of Zazen that we recite. All beings by nature are Buddha, as ice by nature is water. Apart from water, there is no ice. Apart from beings, no Buddha. One of my favourite Zen sayings. Mm -hmm. So those two metaphors will be our guiding lights through this exploration of being with emotion. When you reflect on the experience of sitting like in a session, where you're doing it hour after hour and day after day. Um, if you were to break down what our experience is, we're experiencing perceptions all the time. We're hearing things particularly, seeing things, sometimes smelling, touch. Mm -hmm. So all that perceptual phenomena is coming and going. Um, and then there are body sensations coming and going pain, feelings of tiredness, itchiness, those kind of things. And then um, what we also experience is feelings or emotions and thoughts that are going through our consciousness as well. Perhaps all those things together make up our whole experience. Perhaps if you reflect on it, is that if you just, if you just, if we were just there with perceptions like sounds coming and going, um, they don't really ruffle you that much, do they? Mm -hmm. Sometimes they might, like a tractor might come in and it's a discordant sound rather than the sound of the birds. But it's just a kind of sound and it comes and goes. And um, even body sensations, like even, even physical pain, like I guess we all experience pain to some degree, and that can be difficult to deal with and that can... Um, 
monopolise our, our consciousness at times. But if you, if you examine it closely, mindfully, you'll often find that it's your reaction to the pain emotionally, which is the creating most of the difficulty rather than the pain itself. Because when I, when I reflect back on when I started Zen practice over 40 years ago, and I was younger then and, and my body was more brand new back then, and I had more pain back then. I hardly have much pain to really write home about now, and yet my body's worn down more over the ages. So something, something's shifting there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, people who've been around you know, Zen training um, for quite some time, uh, it's not just me, M many people come to the conclusion, um, uh, apart from actual identified medical injuries like back injuries and so on, that a lot of the pain in sitting comes from up here. We, we react to the pain and we stress about it and we tense the muscles more and then, um, and then we create pain. So a lot of our, you know, to state the obvious, a lot of suffering for human beings is really generated mostly out of our experience of emotion and thought, not so much out of body sensations and, and the perceptions that we experience being in the world. And if you think of human beings, it's often like to remind myself and you that we're a mammal, we're a species of mammals. And if you look at other mammals, you know, like cats and dogs and tigers and lions and horses and so on, most of the time they're just in a, in a place of, um, seems like relaxed neutrality. Mm -hmm. And not, they don't seem to be experiencing any any emotion in particular, they're just eating the grass or they're sitting on the veranda, whatever. And, um, and then occasionally um, they're emotionally aroused, like, you know, the dog will bark at someone going by, you know, or, or howl, you know, um, or the, the tigers, you know, become, go into fight mode and aggressive mode and kill their prey, etc. Um, but mostly animals are either in gathering food, or they're in a fight, or they're running away from being someone else's food. So it's that they're in that either in that fight-fight mechanism, um, or they're in rest and digest, mm -hmm. and or they're just hanging out, you know, or they're hanging around with their cubs and they're just sort of playing with the cubs. And they've got one eye in the environment. It's all quite simple. I, I really, I mean, who am I to project my human views into animals? But they don't appear to live life as though it's a problem. They live it as a matter of survival. That, that's another matter. They want to live. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't seem to neuroticise about being in the world. Who am I? Mm -hmm. I get the sense they ask themselves those questions. What am I going to be when I grow up? Mm -hmm. So, emotions and thoughts um, are the phenomena as human beings define us as human beings but give us so much trouble as well. And therefore, the 16th century Zen teacher refers to the frozen block of emotion thought 
and Zen practice being a way of melting that block. Just to go to another metaphor, I love mixing my metaphors, um, but as you know, I'm, I'm a keen um, sailor, and, and the experiences of being at sea sometimes remind me of the different experiences of meditation and being in session or living a life. And um, there's a type of sea that you can be in, which is a confused sea, um, where the ocean's got swells coming from one direction, and then the, it's got waves on top of that coming from another direction again, and the wind's going from another direction. It's all, all the energy's all scattered. Um, and in, so, some sailors refer to it as a... Um, uh, uh, Across, um, oh, the word's gone out of my name, but but it's like a it's it's a discordant type of experience, and then you get other seas that you're in, um, where the wind's going the direction it's a following sea, and and there's big there's swells. There might even be big swells, but everything's going in the same direction, and you just feel like you're just going along with it. You know, everything's going in the one direction. And if I reflect personally on my own experience of um, having done Sazen for, for almost half my life, is that when I reflect back onto how I was when I was younger, my mind was like a confused sea. Mm -hmm. And now, whether I'm in favourable circumstances or unfavourable ones, my mind feels more like it's, it's a flowing sea. You know, it's like everything's just flowing in the same direction. And, um, and, and it's, it's not always like that, but it's consistently like that, whereas before it was more like the confused, see. And I think the experience of all of us, like when we go through the, the um, intense experience of a session, our minds are like a confused, see, when we begin. And as we practice... It's kind of like everything's just flowing, like our brains are flowing, our being is flowing in the, the one direction. I'm sure if they did an MRI study on our brains, they'd, they'd show that everything was kind of flowing in the one direction. Mm -hmm. So we move from discordant experience in, into flow. Um, that is one of the experiences of, of sitting. Now, let me just do a phenomenology of emotions, briefly. Um, basic types of emotions, basically the broad families of emotions that we experience. Fear, fear is probably a very primary emotion that drives nearly everything. Anger, sadness, shame, disgust. Surprise. Right, that would be the negative ones, or what we refer to as negative ones. Um, love, joy, mm -hmm. and all the different variations of those emotions. And they, they're not just uh, sort of discrete categories. They'll get mixed up, like mixing up colours on a palette. They'll mix up with one another. And then there's one that's not really an emotion, but it's kind of like the absence of emotion, is equanimity. Mm -hmm which is what the, 
the horse seems to be experienced when it's just sort of grazing in the paddock or the dog on the veranda. Just that pleasant state of neutrality of just being that we often come back to. It's important to remember that one. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get the impression that we all we always should be experiencing an emotion of some kind or another, so we've got to fill our lives up with emotion. If we're like other animals, we're, we're just in a pleasant state of neutrality all the time, and that's okay. Um, although human beings love to make a drama out of things and create more emotions. So we can't tolerate the, the pleasant neutrality of just grieving. So they're the different types or the classes of different types of emotions we have. And then to describe the process of those emotions, it's sudden, sometimes emotions just suddenly come upon you. You know, whether you're responding to something, your environment or an emotional memory comes up and, and you trigger, emotion is triggered, so it can suddenly come up. And it can suddenly go, like a startle reaction. Suddenly there's a slight fear and then it passes. Or you can have emotions that sort of slowly come upon you, like a depression could kind of slowly come up and absorb your mind. Or sometimes emotions come in waves, like they, they come and go but they repeat like waves of grief. I have a wave of grief through you know, the feelings of having lost someone close to you and it comes and it goes and then it comes again and then it comes again. Um, now to me, if I look into my own experience and what I understand of psychology, is that we really don't have much control over the fact that emotions arise. Right? They're hardwired into us and they, that we respond. They're supposed to be there to help us to live. So they, they, they get um, um, uh, triggered off in some way. Um, but where the problem is with human beings, it seems to be, is that we get emotions arise and then what do we do with them? That's really the big question. That's really the point of practice here. What do we do with them once they arise? What, as human beings, we so frequently do is that an emotional reaction, response is triggered off. And where we, where we, where we create the frozen block of emotion thought is that we start thinking about it and then we start spinning fantasies about it and then we make up stories about it and we make up theories about it as well. Mm -hmm. And um, it's where the thinking gets engaged with the emotion that that's somehow where it, instead of it just being a flowing experience that comes and goes, that we're not attached to, that's, that's the point where it seems to build up into the frozen block of emotion thought and it becomes solid. Right? It's not soft and fluid anymore, it's solid. Right? And as that Zen teacher said, that, that experience of the, the solidness of it is what creates this um, solid ego identity. Our sense of egocentricity is, is formed mainly around our emotion and our thought. That's how we do thought labelling. Mm -hmm. 
no surprise that that's you know an important practice that we do. And so the nature of practice, Zen practice, in being with emotions, as I understand it, it's not pushing them away, it's not saying there's some kind of weakness that you have to transcend, They're just, it's just phenomena that comes and goes. Um, but neither is it trying to work it out as though emotions, in a sense, are a problem to be solved. It's just energy going through you. And if you just allow the energy to come and go without creating an ego identity around it, it's not a problem. It's not really, in a sense, something to be resolved from a Zen perspective. Because all we're trying to do in Zen training is to cultivate... We're trying to cultivate an insight into the fact that the nature of ice is water. Mm-hmm. The nature of emotion thought is water. It just flows, it comes and goes. Mm-hmm. So we, we're trying to cultivate an insight into that, what the true nature of it is. Mm-hmm. And what to me is the most important aspect of Zen training and Dharma training generally is non-attachment. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear a lot about mindfulness, and mindfulness is a very important part of Zen training, but mindfulness to what purpose? Just so you can concentrate well? Is that the purpose of it? Or is it really, when you look at it, that the point of mindfulness is to pay particular attention to the frozen block of emotion thought and to melt it? in that fire of attention, and to cultivate non-attachment. That's, that's the essence of it. You can't separate one from the two and still have Dharma practice. It's mindfulness that is working towards non-attachment. It's, it's not getting stuck and hung up on the personal stories and fantasies that we spin about our life. So it's our, our practice, you know, on a moment-to-moment basis is to observe the thoughts when they're there, see the stories that we spin about them, let them go, and let the emotion take its course. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you sit in this still, upright, quiet, focused, Posture, you, you're creating the max. You're creating the, the best conditions to really see what's going on. You're not just caught up in identifying with the emotion, the thoughts, like we often are in everyday life and in interpersonal relationships. We've got the best opportunity just to really see what's going on. You have, to, you have to really see it for yourself. Like f- with anger, for instance, you can, you, you can, if you catch it, you can really see that um, as you have an emotion thought about anger, like a sense of unfairness or whatever it might be that's triggered it off, there is the, 
the thinking process that goes along parallel with the feeling in the body. And if you label the storyline and drop it, not to suppress the emotion, but just to come back and experience the, the residue, the resonance of emotion that goes with the story, um, you'll often find by five minutes the anger is dissipated. And, and you see so clearly that the storyline is like oxygen to the fire of anger. And you start the fire of oxygen and it goes out. It doesn't go out immediately because when you get worked up you've pumped adrenaline into your body. Take five minutes for it to drain out. And then you come back to equilibrium again, often. Sometimes it's not quite as easy as that when it's a very strong story. Um, it varies. But to emphasise, to, to go back to my particular choice of words again, um, I don't want to encourage you when you're sitting, if you have emotions going through you, to try and work them out. Because mm -hmm. you might be able to develop um, even more sophisticated psychological theories as to why you have those emotions. Right. Something that happened in your childhood, da 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 da, mm -hmm. and um, that, that may have a historical basis to it. Um, but we don't want to create another story around it. We just want to experience the phenomena of it and the nature of it coming and going, and develop a sense of non-attachment to the emotion. Um, that is the same perspective to it. 